Welcome back to Meet You at the Bottom, a conversation podcast where we get to the bottom of topics at the top of mind with a drink in hand, of course. I'm your host, Abhinav Brahmandam, and as always, thank you for tuning in. In today's episode, I was joined by my really good friend, Brad McKegg, to talk all things hunting. Hunting is obviously a sport that is highly controversial, with a lot of capital behind it on both sides. But in today's discussion, we really didn't touch much on that controversy. I wanted to focus on the culture of hunting and the camaraderie of folks going hunting. And Brad is a perfect example for that. He's been hunting for 20 years and grew up in Wisconsin where hunting is very common. He had great insight into the sport and the activities that go behind it. We talked about what his day in the life is for deer hunting and how that differs completely from the day in the life of turkey hunting. We also touched a little bit on big game hunting and what occurs out west in, uh, in America and other parts of the world. Lastly, we ended the conversation with some friendly advice he had for novice hunters. And yeah, we did actually touch a little bit on the controversy of, of, uh, of hunting and the pros and cons, um, especially viewpoints of the NRA and PETA. I'd actually recommend listening to the full conversation as I do with all of these episodes, but especially this one, so you can hear some of Brad's hot takes and bold predictions for the future. He even had one that was 20 years out. And you can also get a glimpse into his pride of being from Wisconsin. And coming from someone who grew up in central Illinois and went to Illinois, I definitely have some preconceived uh, stereotypes of Wisconsin. So it was good to hear, hear his take on that as well. So without further ado, uh, kick back and I hope you enjoy my conversation with Brad McKegg into the sport of hunting. Upwind, downwind, geeks, 150-inch buck, stand glass, bag limit, monster pig toad, brute, booner. If you're listening to this and you're like, what the hell is he saying? Trust me, that makes two of us. I have no fucking idea. Barely know any of these words individually, let alone together in the same context. So these words are really used for hunting. Hunting has been a sport around for centuries and it's been a staple for many Americans across the country. To me, you know, I haven't done hunting, but it feels like a religion or a way of life for those that hunt. And I honestly know nothing about this at all, other than you have to wear camouflage. And I used to wear that for barn dances back in the day. So to understand a little bit more about the sport and hoping that I can use these words in a, in a conversation at a bar or pretend I'm a hunter in the future, I'm joined today by my good friend, Brad McKegg. Just learned how to pronounce his name because it's not spelled like that. Uh, Brad is a jack of all trades. Not only can he hold a very long and entertaining conversation on, on hunting uh, in the woods or in the boardroom, but he also has 12 years of experience in financial services and distribution uh, in America. And he's the most recent resident of Nash Vegas or Nashville for uh, in layman terms for those that don't like to have fun um, as he just moved with his girlfriend from Chicago. So, and lastly, probably his biggest flaw, he's true and true a Wisconsinite, meaning a big Badgers and and Packers supporters, so it's pretty tough. A lot of, lot of lost uh, beer chug and shotgun bets, but we'll have to look past that for today. Uh, thanks a ton, man, for doing this. How are you doing? 
Good. Thanks for uh, thanks for that intro, Abby. It's uh, I, I was thinking uh, as you're going through that kind of the the journey that you and I've been on. I think uh, I started out without even a name. I think to you I was Milwaukee or, or Wisconsin guy, and then yep. I, I I graduated to uh, my, my Monica Moreno's boyfriend, probably my most famous title. Yep. And then uh, fi- finally now I'm Brad. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, and now you're part of the the infamous group text I'm a part of, where I just blow <laughs> yeah. blow up your phone probably a hundred times, you know, any day that something's going on. That's right. You're good at that for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, What are you drinking? Welcome to meet you at the bottom. Uh, Yeah. So as you mentioned, I just moved to Nashville. um, And so the fridge is not too stocked. I were, we've been here for like five days. So I I grabbed the first thing I saw, which happened to be uh, some Johnny Walker scotch. Wow. That's great. I went, cheers. I went with the Bud Light. Cheers. let uh, Let me take a quick pick for the for the social media and for, for the listeners, this we're, we're recording this 3 30 PM on a Friday afternoon in February. Yeah. Scotch on the rocks, a little aggressive for 3 30, but you know, you know, what, what do you get out of not being aggressive? Right. I agree. I feel like, I feel like this is like what you do after you just had a great day out, out in the <laughs> woods hunting, just come back and just pound some scotch. <laughs> that That's pretty much right. Yeah. You're usually freezing cold. Scotch goes down pretty good. Yeah. Um, exactly. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this conversation, kind of just a day in the life of a hunter and, and what you do to prepare and, and what actually goes on and what your goals are. Um, and just to preface um, at the beginning, um, I just, I'm curious, you know, what hunting is to you and how you would describe hunting um, in your own words. I looked up the definition from Encyclopedia Britannica, and it said it's the practice of seeking, pursuing, and capturing or killing wild animals. Uh, but I was curious what you thought. Yeah, I, I guess I always think about hunting kind of maybe in, in two different contexts. Um, one is sort of like the, the sport aspect, which is like, um, I think of that as kind of like target shooting, clay pigeon shooting. People might be familiar with going to like a gun range, doing target shooting, that type of thing. And then when I'm actually like hunting animals, I guess I think of that less as I, I wouldn't use necessarily the term sport um, because I, I'm pretty big on like, you got to make sure that you eat what you kill. Um, I, I'm not one that's all about kind of like the trophies, um, you know, of, of killing animals. I actually enjoy kind of eating for, for me, for the most part, that's uh, venison, which is deer and, and turkey. Um, so that, that's kind of what it means to me. Got it. No, I appreciate that. And it's interesting. Uh, and we'll get into this in the second half of is it a sport? Is it not? I've, uh, I spent some time reading the NRA stance and also PETA stance. And so <laughs> got, pretty different. Yeah. Yeah. I caught a couple. That's <laughs> what I do with my with time. You know, I just read about this stuff, try and learn. Um, but it'll be interesting to hear your perspective too. Um, before we, before we get into it, your day in the life, how'd you get exposed, um, to hunting? Yeah, my so my story maybe is like a little bit uh, abnormal. I actually so um, my so my dad passed away when I was just before I turned three years old, but he was a huge hunter. Um, so kind of had all the gear, had, had guns, had kind of all the the stuff you would need to go hunting. And um, the the kind of funny story is he um, he was a big bow hunter, and so he had actually won an archery trophy that uh, like sat in our house, and I think in my bedroom when I was a little kid. And so um, when I was in middle, or it wouldn't have been middle school, I was elementary school. Um, I was probably like seven or eight years old. Um, we were doing show and tell. And I was really, really good friends with another kid in my class named Jeremy. And his mom actually happened to be the teacher of our class. And so for show and tell, I brought in one of these trophies because I always thought it was really cool. And so 
I, I showed the class the trophy. And I, what I didn't know was that Jeremy's dad was, so my teacher's husband was actually a really big bow hunter also and gun oh, hunter. Nice. And so she um, went home that night and was like, hey, this uh, archery trophy, I think is from one of the archery ranges that you go to a bunch that I think that this guy from my class, that's one of Jeremy's friends would actually be really interested in hunting. And to make a long story short, um, I've been going to their cabin to go uh, deer hunting every year for like 20 something, 20 plus years um, at this point. And they're some of our best family friends. Um, and Jeremy is one of my best friends to this day. So I think that's probably half of it for sure. That's how I that's you know how I actually got into hunting. And then the other part of it is I grew up uh, in Delafield, Wisconsin, and that's a so it's a town of like 7000 people about 30 miles west of Milwaukee. And so where I'm from, it's actually not that uncommon to go hunting. It's kind of a popular thing. So when I was in middle school and high school, like a, a good number of my friends actually hunted too. Um, nice. And so there's actually a fair amount of people that as life has kind of gone on now um, that I almost exclusively talk to now only when it's hunting season. We, we sort of uh, either call or text each other just when it's uh, gun deer season in, in Wisconsin. So that's, that's amazing. I love that. Yeah. My, my equivalent of that is I have a couple of friends that only text during election season. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty yep. ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome, man. That's a, I didn't know the backstory, um, you know, from uh, with, with Jeremy and the, the history in 20 plus years. That's awesome. So obviously yeah. it's like a way of life for you guys and, and something you look forward to um, every year. Have you been hunting in other parts of the country? So I, I've not, I've actually only ever hunted in Wisconsin. Um, actually now after five days in, uh, in Nashville, I'm, I'm getting excited to hopefully try it in Tennessee yeah. at some point in the near future. Um, it's, it's pretty big here. Um, I actually, it's funny. I did, um, I did a little bit of research on kind of like where, where in the U S is hunting the most popular, maybe not shockingly, Texas is like far and away the number one state for, for hunting and gun yeah. ownership in general. Um, and then I was surprised number two is Pennsylvania. Um, mm. which I wouldn't have necessarily anticipated. And then number three is my home state of Wisconsin. Um, so another, I, another kind of interesting stat that I found was hunting is not actually as popular as, as what I thought it might be. It's probably just a, a factor of me like being so involved in it. It's something I think that I read in uh, 2019, we, it was like 15 million licenses for hunting were, were issued. And wow. some of that is like people that are getting three or four different licenses because you need a different one for each animal. So it's it's like less than three or four percent of the whole population like is even considered a hunter. That's crazy. Yeah, that's not as many yeah. people as I would I would think too. Even growing right. up in, in central Illinois, um, I wonder if it's like an effect of you know where you live, where you grew grew up, and, and even like Texas too. Like obviously the most hunters, but in terms of density, like per capita, it's probably not as much as a Wisconsin. Uh, Pennsylvania is surprising. Maybe it's like yeah. the middle parts of Pennsylvania. It has to be. Yeah. 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 That's like, there's like the famous James Carville line things, everything in between Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, you might as well call it middle of Alabama. <laughs> which is kind of true. There you go. I mean, I, I think it probably is true from the, from our hunting stats. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, all right, let's, let's get into the day of the life for Brad. Um, you know, I want to, I want to talk first on deer and then, and then Turkey and, yeah. and let's just start from the top in terms of preparation, um, and really time of year. Um, and is it different? Cause I actually have no idea. Yeah, we, yeah, I think it's good if we maybe separate out. So there's different seasons for different animals. Um, and then there's also like, if you're hunting in different parts of the country, the seasons okay. also vary. So maybe I'll, I'll just start with kind of what I know the best. So deer hunting in, in Wisconsin, 
Um, there's two different kind of seasons for deer hunting in Wisconsin. The first is bow. Um, and you kind of never really intermingle bow and, and gun. And I'll get into that in a second. But so bow season usually runs from end of September, maybe beginning of October, um, all the way up until the week before Thanksgiving. And then gun season um, is always, it's a nine day season. It goes from the Saturday before Thanksgiving to the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Um, and gun, gun season is the one that is kind of like the big deal. The, that first Saturday is known as opening day in, uh, in Wisconsin yeah. and other states where hunting's a big deal. Um, that, that's kind of the, the big event for, uh, for hunters. Um, it's uh, that opening weekend is something that I've, I've been going up to Jeremy's family's cabin for, like I said, 20 plus years we've got a whole routine of like what we eat for breakfast, what, you know, what meals get cooked on Friday and Saturday night of that weekend while we're up there and stuff. And, um, that, that's kind of like the Super Bowl for, uh, for hunters for sure. Um, awesome. and so the, so Bo actually runs during, uh, like that kind of early to mid fall time frame is actually what they call the rut, which is another way to say mating season for deer. And the reason that that's such a big deal is because when deer are mating, the bucks are all over the place running after the does. So once you get into kind of gun season and then beyond um, that, you don't get as much of that. The bucks don't move um, quite as much because kind of the mating season is over. So when you get into the day, a day in the life of this stuff, the kind of key differences would be for bow season, you're wearing camouflage um, and you can kind of hide yourself within the trees um, using camouflage for gun season. You're wearing blaze orange. And I guess maybe like a little known fact, um, unless you're a hunter, so deer can't see color. So it actually doesn't matter like if you're wearing camouflage or, or blaze orange. The reason you have to wear blaze orange for gun season is because like if, if you took a, an arrow in the shoulder or something, like it, you, you'd probably end up being okay. Like if you take a bullet like in the shoulders, I mean, you, you could have serious problems. So like yeah. I, it really the blaze orange is much more about like human to human safety than anything. Um, and, and so with bow season, like the other, I guess, kind of interesting aspect to it is like with a bow, your range is something like maybe up to 30 yards, probably is about how I, at least how accurate I am with a bow. Um, and the, like the closer, the better. Whereas with gun, um, maybe I'll, I'll get into kind of the, whether you're using a shotgun or a rifle, you have, I'll get more into that in a minute, but you, um, you've got like much further range out that you can shoot, uh, shoot the deer. So the, like the other advantage to bow season is typically it's a lot warmer. So you're going like end of September, kind of in, in October, whereas for gun season, it's usually freezing cold, at least in a place like Wisconsin, you're going the week before Thanksgiving in the morning, it's something like 20 degrees outside. Um, so the preparation is a lot different just in terms of like warmth and, and the gear that you would put on. Interesting. That's interesting. Um, I didn't know that actually the differences between the seasons i just thought yeah. it was like you can pick whatever you wanted to but um there's obviously a lot more organization and rules and regulations which i think overall um in my research too i didn't i didn't realize which is pretty cool that it's all kind of together like that yep and then i guess other other day in the life kind of interesting stuff so for both seasons there's actually like an opening and a closing shooting time for every day that's posted mm -hmm. either online or you can get it in a book um and it's it's kind of like it's generally sun up to like sundown but they get pretty specific on the times um to try and prevent people from you know shooting at things that they can't actually see because it's too dark outside or whatever it's kind of a safety thing um okay. and i like as far as gear goes like um with with bow hunting the different types of bows that you that you would have like 
very few people I looked up looked up this stat too. So in 2019, only like one percent of bow hunters used an actual like Robin Hood bow and arrow. I was just about um, to ask that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's not like what normal bows look like. Um, so it would, like the term is called compound bow. So you're getting some help from technology. Mm-hmm. Usually you're pulling back like they always talk about it in terms of um, in terms of weight. And so you would usually pull back anywhere between 50 or 80 pounds. The more pounds like you're pulling back, the more pressure you're getting and the, like the faster the arrow is going to fly. Yeah. Um, and where, like I where, said, sorry. To yeah, catch go you ahead. So when you're when you're doing that and so you're, you're pulling back. And then you were saying 30 yards is kind of the distance that you, you achieve where you're accurate. Yeah. Where you're accurate. And then what, where do you aim? Like if I think of a deer. Yeah. You're, you're always trying to aim for the heart. So like right in the middle of the chest. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. And then the other one that's become like more popular and I think has, it used to be the, so the the one that's become more popular is a crossbow. Um, And part Mm -hmm. of the reason it's popular is because then you don't have to pull it back. Um, Pulling a bow back, even a compound bow is actually really, really difficult. Like it's a, it's a pretty big strain on your arm. Um, And compound bows, I think you used to actually only be able to use those if you were disabled. Um, And I think that many states have actually moved away from that. And you can start using compound bows now kind of for, for everyone. Got it. It's kind of like Chewbacca um, in Star Wars. He's got one of those bows. But so when, when you're when you're shooting the bow, and, and part of it is balance and having the having the right amount of you know force and pressure. How um, like what where are you standing? How are you like getting your getting your footing down and like not trying to make any noise at the same time? Because thirty yards isn't that far away. So like, theoretically, a deer could hear you and, and run away. So I'm just curious how you go about that. Yeah, for so for the most part, like in the Midwest, you're usually up in a tree. Um, you're up in a tree stand uh, for both bow and and gun season, and so that helps as far as like the deer, if they're looking at surface level, don't see you, and it helps a little bit with the noise too. You're sitting there, quite honestly, trying to, you're trying to like settle your breathing as much as possible. You're not like moving around and twisting and stuff in the deer stand. You're actually like trying to trying to stay as as motionless as possible. Which when it gets really cold obviously makes it that much colder as a follow-up to that though have you ever like fallen out of a tree stand is that a dumb question (laughs) it's not a dumb question I've never done it um but so like when you go hunting usually you're starting really early in the morning like you're on the tree stand at like 5 5 30 in the morning and so by the time like eight nine o'clock rolls around like you are starting to get a little bit tired and so you got to be a little bit careful about it a lot of people actually there's like straps that you can buy to like wrap around the tree and then like sort of wear it like a belt so that it kind of holds you in there um because i mean it, it's never happened to me but it's happened to plenty of people before where i you know I, I you're you're probably anywhere between 10 to 15 feet in the air so it's not like you're gonna die if you fall but like you could break a bone or something from that height um and it you know at a minimum it wouldn't be fun but yeah, yeah it's happened to people for sure interesting I, I wrote this in the outline of like and i don't know what i don't want to ask it to embarrass myself but what makes a good tree like how do you pick okay I'll, that's my tree stand i'm gonna i'm gonna sit here for hours so a lot of it is like you want something like that's that's huge and sturdy right like either you need one tree that's huge and sturdy that you can attach it to or like actually the thing that i think is a lot better is like if you can find three trees that are sort of converging on each other and you build the tree stand in between the three of them because the big thing that you don't want is like on a windy day like you don't want to be swaying back and forth a whole bunch um because then if you do see something like that's going to obviously make aiming a lot more difficult so you need you need a huge tree that's super sturdy and doesn't move a lot in the wind is kind of the key 
Got it. Interesting. Interesting. And then one, like, when do you leave the, leave the tree? Like after you get a kill or you kind of wait and see if you can get another kill or and the hours just go by and you're getting really tired. Yeah, there's, so there's actually like, um, they call them like bag limits. Um, I think it was one of the words you used in, uh, in your opening. So bag limit, bag limit <laughs> means like how many, how many of whatever animal you're hunting, you can kill in a day. So like for deer, usually you can only take one. Um, and so, sometimes you can take like one buck and one doe, but usually if you kill one, you're kind of done. Um, and so uh, it's interesting, like when you do shoot one, you usually aren't like hopping right off the stand. Usually whether it's bow or deer, you shoot it. And almost always it doesn't die like right that moment. It usually runs for just a few seconds, could be a while. Um, and, and like you can watch where it goes and then where it drops. Um, and then you kind of let it, you let it sit there for a little bit and then you actually get off the stand and go over there. And, and then I guess kind of putting a bow, no pun intended, with this, uh, with the, uh, the arrow, bow and arrow um, conversation, how much of it is like skill uh, and a little bit of luck? Because I feel like 30 yards, I was joking around, it's like pretty close, but 30 yards, I mean, wind can move the, I mean, things can happen. And how much of that are you like calculating in your mind uh, before you, before you, you know, release? Yeah, I think it probably depends, I guess, on definition of skill. I think actually most of hunting is skill. Um, okay. There's a little, the, the luck part is probably like where you're hunting and actually how many of, like if you're hunting deer, how many deer are actually going to come through the area that you're hunting? Because usually you're, at least in the Midwest, usually you're stationary, um, like I said, in a tree stand. Mm -hmm. And like, I think where the skill comes in is like staying motionless, like I mentioned in the tree stand, like not making a sound so the deer actually don't know that you're there. Um, I think that's a huge thing. And then there's a ton of skill, obviously, in the actual shooting of the yeah. bow. Um, and yeah, you do like, you take into account things like windage, you take into account, right? Like, the, you know, it, but that's all stuff that you kind of work on. Usually you practice before you actually go bow hunting, you go to like an archery range and you practice. Yeah. Um, and you're trying to take into account those types of things. Got it. Interesting. Back in the day, Indians were big archers. A lot of our gods used to be archers. Lord Rama, for anyone listening, look him up. Um, <laughs> shifting the conversation to guns, yep. where, where Indians are not the best at. Um, can we talk a little bit about the different types of guns for and what the purpose is of each of the guns that you use? Because now, now that we know what season you know, guns are and what you wear, um, you know, and you know, the temperatures and everything. Just, like, do you have to bring all the guns? Just curious. Yeah, I so two different types of guns. Um, so there's rifles and there's shotguns. And the difference would be so with a right, so a rifle's much further, you can shoot much further. The range is huge, like hundreds and hundreds of yards you can shoot with a rifle. If you were gonna go out west and you wanted to shoot, we'll probably get into this later, but like bigger animals, and you're shooting yep. kind of across like a big open kind of gaps, big open like uh you know caverns or whatever like out in the mountains you're using a rifle for sure um shotguns are shorter range but much longer than a bow so shotguns you're you're accurate up to like maybe 100 yards something like that okay um and the difference is so a rifle is like when you hear people use the word bullet that's actually like a rifle shoots a bullet and it's one piece of metal that comes out of the gun um a shotgun you're actually using what are called shells um, and they're actually plastic uh, kind of cartridges and they're filled with a bunch of BBs essentially. And when you shoot okay. a shotgun, when you shoot a shotgun shell, 
it's a whole bunch of BBs come out and they come out in kind of what's either called like a spray or a spread. So like if you're at a target range and you shot a, a rifle, like you'll see one hole in the paper, right? Um, at like a target range. If you shoot a shotgun, you're going to see like, like 25, 30 holes from one shot. It, and it's, and it's all in like kind of a big spread or spray. Uh, and so you would use typically for, for deer hunting, as long as you're not like in a populous area, you would use a deer rifle. Like when I go in the kind of central Wisconsin, I'm always using a deer rifle. Um, you would use a shotgun if you're going to be around, like, so if you wanted to hunt more around like where I'm from uh, in Delafield, Wisconsin, there's too many houses and stuff around. So like, if you're going to hunt in a cornfield or something near, like near that area, you have to use a shotgun because you can't have the, like the, the bullet travel hundreds and hundreds of yards. You could hit a house or something like that. Yeah. But really, really what people use shotguns much more for than deer hunting is things like birds. So turkeys, duck, um, um, pheasants is like really popular in, uh, in Wisconsin. And the reason is, so you were asking before about like, where do you want to shoot a deer? Um, you, you want to shoot it in the heart with kind of one kill shot. Um, birds for like a turkey, for example, this is probably a little known fact, um, it, like all of their vital organs are actually in the neck. And mm. so it would be super hard because the neck's so small to get like one shot with a bullet to hit the neck. And so you use a shotgun. So you get that, you get like a higher probability of hitting it with the spray or that spread that I talked about that you get with a shotgun shot. Yeah. That's interesting. That's, that's really interesting. Um, pheasants are, are, I'm glad you brought that up too. Cause I don't know if you watch the crown. Um, they like, no. they shoot a lot of pheasants. Uh, the Royal family is really big into, into game and, and hunting and all of that's uh, queen Elizabeth is. Um, so it's, it. it's interesting comparing, um, this is a natural transition to turkeys, uh, or anything else we, we should discuss on deer before we tra uh, transition to turkeys. So maybe just the last thing on guns. So then like the, um, the size of the guns is kind of determined on like, so the, the rifle that I use for deer hunting is a Winchester 270 bolt action. And so 270 uh, refers to it's 0.27 inches in diameter would be like the, the bore of the rifle or how big the bullet is. Okay. Um, a lot of people use like a 30-06, which would be uh, 0.3 um, inches in diameter. Um, and kind of the, the bigger you go, like the bigger the bullet and kind of the bigger the gun and the bigger the kick and usually the bigger the animal you're trying to hunt. Um, and then shotguns are a little bit of the reverse. So a really common shotgun would be called a 20 gauge. Um, yep. You would use that for things like that's what I use for like turkey hunting. And then you go down from there, like a 12 gauge or a 10 gauge is actually a bigger type of shotgun. And you would use that for bigger, um, bigger animals. You get down in like 10 gauge and eight gauge. And those are like those have big time kick to them. You're hunting big animals yeah. and, and you're feeling it when you shoot it. Yeah. yeah you're, you're falling back a little bit and yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Never, never have shot a gun, but, um, I can, I've seen enough movies to, <laughs> <laughs> to get going. Um, how often do you practice while we're on the topic of guns? Like so going to the I, range? Used, I used to, I used to go a lot more when I lived in Wisconsin, um, yeah. because it was just easier to get to. Um, so now I usually only go once a year and I do it to prepare for deer season. Um, and so I, I will go back up to Wisconsin and I go out to a, a range that's kind of near where I'm from, um, and just spend kind of an hour or two shooting at targets. That's awesome. That's awesome. I got to get you, uh, not that I know anything about this, but I want you to, uh, go out in central Illinois and let me know what the lay of the land is. I had some friends in high school that were, that were into it. So yeah, I can put uh, you in touch. Monica's brother and I have talked about potentially doing some hunting in, uh, in, in Shelbyville. 
oh. which you may be familiar with. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Love yep. that. Um, and then sh- shifting to Turkey, because I know you you delve into that as well. Kind of yeah. running it back from the top in terms of preparation, um, attire, time of year, location. Um, do you want to give us a little bit insight into that? Yeah. So the, there's in the Midwest, there's two turkey seasons. There's a spring and a fall. Um, and I, I wouldn't say that like one is necessarily better than the other, um, but you're almost always using a shotgun. I think 20 gauge is probably the most popular shotgun. A big difference would be like you're you're rarely in a tree stand for turkey hunting. You're in what they would call like a blind. So you're you're usually um, you're usually in camouflage for turkey hunting. And the blind is sort of like a, a little hut that you build around yourself. And so it's like it's you surround yourself on kind of four sides with more camouflage because turkeys actually, I believe, can see color. And so the camouflage is a lot more important for turkey hunting and you're on surface level. And a big thing with turkey hunting is actually uh, turkey calls. So there's a whole bunch of different varieties of these, <laughs> but you're actually trying to make the same like the noise that turkeys make. Um, you're you're going you're gonna to have to give us a, a sneak peek here. Well, you don't, you like, you don't do it with your voice. There's that, oh. like, I, I wish I had them there. There's actually like contraptions that you buy, um, oh. from, like Ender Mountain or Bass Pro Shops or whatever. There's turkey calls that you actually pay money and like Damn. you actually buy. Yeah. Um, so at some point, maybe I can, we can, I can, uh, do one of those so you can this hear a, what it sounds like. I but. feel like this is a good drinking game. You should bring it to New Buffalo yeah. when we yeah. go up there. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, yeah. And so actually that's like, a key part of turkey hunting because the more that they hear that sound that's like what actually draws the turkey in um and so i mentioned before kind of like all the vital organs for a turkey are in their neck and so it like if you think about how turkey if you ever paid attention or are from sort of a rural area like if you watch how turkeys walk around they always have like it seems like they're almost like shoulder shrugged right like they tuck their head in and the reason is because they're protecting their vital organs and that's how they walk around and so once they get close enough, when you're turkey hunting, you try and draw them in with the call. And then once they get close enough and you got the gun up and you're aimed and everything, you make a weird noise that spooks them and they poke their head up to look around and it exposes the whole neck. And that's when you shoot. Yeah. Wow. Now that I feel like that requires just a lot more patience. Um, it is. And, it's, and, it's really hard. And it, turkey hunting is, yeah. Turkey hunting is, in my mind, is significantly more difficult than deer yeah. hunting. Yeah, I was going to say that, but I didn't want to offend you, but I'm glad we, we agree. Yeah. Um, I, taking a step back, like, are there that many wild turkey in America? In, I mean, in certain areas, yeah. yeah. Like in, in Wisconsin, you see them all over the place. Yeah. Dang, that's interesting. I, I, mean, I, think like, in central, I think in central Illinois, you probably do too. I guess I've never, I've never been down. We've uh, spent a bunch of time in central Illinois in the middle of summer for kind of lake and boating season, obviously. Um, but I, I have not spent a bunch of time down there in like the fall and the spring, but I'm assuming there's probably a lot of turkeys. Yeah, I would, I would, I would believe so as well, especially in some of those bumblefuck parts um, yeah. where there's like no one, no one ever around, um, you know, in 10 mile radius or whatever. I'm sure they're, they're roaming around. Yeah. Uh, with, so if I had to like compare the two and in terms of how much time you're waiting before the kill um is, is tur- turkeys take longer or deer just because it's more ground i guess and so um the one of the benefits i, I would say turkey takes longer and you got to have more patience one of the benefits for deer is like i mentioned during bow season if you catch it right you're in the middle of the rut when they're mating and so they're just running all over the place and like as long as you're in an area where deer are you're going to see deer like it's almost guaranteed 
Um, and then for gun season, um, if you're out there opening weekend, one of the benefits you have is they hear all the gunshots. And so they're running all over the place too, um, because nice. they know like, uh Oh, it's, it's gun season again. And so they're running everywhere. Once you get past opening weekend of gun season for deer, in my opinion, it really, really dies off. Like the, like this past year, I was up in Wisconsin for Thanksgiving. And so I actually hunted most of that week. And once you get past opening weekend, it was really quiet. Tough. You don't see a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. And, and here's a time to try and like put some numbers to it. Yeah. Um, like, I guess for every time you go out there, like, do you, is it like a hundred percent you're going to get a kill? No, not, not at all. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's probably like, I would say like maybe 60 to 80% of the time I see something for deer hunting, yeah. but sometimes seeing something is like a deer at a full sprint, 150 yards away or something where it's like a really difficult shot, right? Like it's, it's actually not super often that I have one just like walk right in front of the tree stand because they're not like, they're not stupid, especially by the time you get to yeah. gun season, they, they kind of, they know what's coming and they know that there's a lot of people out there. Got it. What about turkeys? Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I think for turkey hunting, it's, it's like way more difficult. I've only, so I've yeah. only ever had gotten one turkey in, in like my hunting life. Um, and I've probably been out, I used to do it a lot more in like high school and college. So I probably have been out like six or seven times and I've only, um, got one turkey. Dang. How, how, how about if you use the same, you know, type of, uh, metrics for deer, like how many times, I mean, you've gone out, you know, plethora of times more and. Well, how much has that translated in for you specifically? I guess for deer too, you have to translate it to like, when I go deer hunting, it's like, uh, it's like a group of us are out there. Right. So like, if I think yeah. about like, it did one of us get right, get a deer, that's probably 90 plus percent. Something oh, that's like awesome. that. Um, so it's not always me, but like one of us in the party gets a deer. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't get it, you can't, you can't really eat dinner. So <laughs> just kind of shit out of luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, what so could you can is there ways to put um put it into words the emotions like going through your head of all right you see it you're about to pull the trigger and then that happens and and then you you get it you're you have a kill and you're like holy shit this is awesome like can you is there a way to even like describe that yeah like uh, so there's a term in hunting called buck fever um which is like when you so the, like a challenge with hunting is you're sitting out there for so long right yeah and and like you're just sitting there all in anticipation of of seeing a deer for example in deer hunting right and if you think about it like when's the last time you actually just sat somewhere for hours and you don't have like you don't have earbuds in listening to podcasts or music or like you're literally just sitting there right and it could be four or five six hours and then finally the thing you're waiting for comes along and so what happens is a lot of people it's like you bring your gun up and you're just like all over the place. You're shaking and like, you can't even aim because yeah. it's like the adrenaline and the excitement takes over. Um, but if you can get past that part, um, yeah, the feeling is great. It's like, especially if it happens early in the day, like my favorite, my favorite moments are like where a deer comes by, like right after sunrise. Right. And it's like, nice. I'm not going to have to sit out here all day type <laughs> of thing. You get super excited and then it's all about like, once you get past the excitement, like in a, and this all happens in a couple seconds, right? Because the deer aren't like just sitting there waiting for you to shoot them. Usually they're moving. Yeah. And so like, you get excited that you saw one and like you bring the gun up or the bow and you aim and you're doing your best, right? Like, especially if the animal's moving um, and you aim and then, yeah, when you pull the trigger, like right after you pull the trigger, it's all about, there's this moment of like, did I miss? Did I hit it? Like what just happened here, yeah. you know? 
And so you're kind of sitting there waiting to see what happens. And then when you see like the deer drop and like die and fall over, it's like, whew, nice. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a great moment. Yeah. Pour me a scotch then. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, what like, that's awesome. And that's, that's obviously success in a way. Um, but curious, like how you go about it. Cause you can't, that can't happen every time. And so, you know, what are your goals and then what is a successful outcome? If it's like the group, a group of you guys, then it's fun. Like one person's going to get it 90 plus percent. Um, yeah. but you know, overarching, like your goal is going in and like, what, what are you happy with at the end of the day? Yeah. I like, I always want to get, want to get a deer or a turkey if I was turkey hunting. Um, when I was, especially when I was a lot younger, like when I first started hunting, like in middle school, high school, um, it was all about like, did I, or did I not get an animal? I think like the older I get, especially living in Chicago and, and now downtown Nashville, it's nice to honestly just get out in the woods, like, and, and sit there for six or seven hours by yourself, like in yeah. kind of in the middle of the woods and just be with, be with yourself, be with your thoughts and everything, you know, um, and have a day where like you're not sitting in the office or you're not on zoom calls or or whatever um i i enjoy that part but and and the camaraderie like when we go to the hunting cabin it's super fun to see friends that yeah. you only kind of see once a year and that type of thing um so i i always think that like just the trip in itself is is a success but it's always way better when you get a deer like yeah I, you know i can't lie about that part for sure i know for everyone listening you have you have this huge smile on your face when you just said that so it's, it's fun to fun to see um what's what's your pitch i guess when people are listening to this and and even me it's like this is a it takes a lot of work a lot of practice a lot of skill a lot of patience um you know what's your pitch to like you know is it even worth it you know you know there's going to be definitely a group of people and, and they'll be like ah, i'd rather just sleep in on saturday morning for a few more hours or ah, I, don't, I don't really see this this isn't for me but curious kind of what what your pitch is yeah, I for people that are starting out hunting, I almost would recommend like doing maybe bow uh, for deer hunting because it's just warmer, especially if you're going to start in the Midwest, which I'm assuming most of the listeners would be like, it, it's just so much warmer. Like one of the things that turns a lot of people off to hunting is like getting up at 430 in the morning, like on November 20th or whatever, when it's yeah. freezing cold outside doesn't sound all that great, which you got to kind of be in hunting into hunting, I think for that to sound cool. But like, if you start out with bow, um, going to archery ranges is a ton of fun, honestly. Like, I, I think that's cool for people that even don't want to hunt, um, and starting there, like the weather's a lot better. Um, and, and I think you can make it a lot of fun. Um, I guns kind of come with their own like stigma and everything else about it. Right. Like, but I, I have found it to be, um, you know, something really fun. I, like, I, like I said, there's sort of a community around it. Like there's a group of guys that I only talk to, um, during hunting season, because it's just something that we sort of share and there's kind of a, a camaraderie and a community feeling to it. Yeah. No, that makes, that makes perfect sense. We got it. We got to get you out to a range. See if, yeah. uh, see if you have the same skills. I, yeah, I probably will fall back no matter what I'm shooting, <laughs> just fall to the ground. Um, as we wrap up this first half here, just curious, I wanted to do some superlatives for you um but what was what has been the best outing or the best kill um if you can describe that uh for sure the turkey i got because it's the only one i got and i think it's the hardest thing out of the things that i hunt i think it's the hardest thing to get got it good to know uh what about the worst kill or outing 
So the worst outing is probably, uh, so I mentioned my friend, Jeremy, who has the cabin that we go to every year for hunting. Um, when we were really young, man, we were, this was probably like when we were in eighth grade or something, um, we went up to the cabin and his dad was doing some deer hunting. I think we maybe weren't old enough or something to go at the time. And so we were, uh, we were doing some squirrel hunting while he was, uh, well, well, uh, while his dad was deer hunting. And we, I like, I think we fired a hundred shots probably in the afternoon. We were just going nuts out there, right? Like we were super young. We fired like a hundred shots and his dad came back and was all nervous. Like I'm going to be cleaning squirrels to like make squirrel stew for like the next two days. Like how many is like, how many squirrels did you guys get? And we got not a single one. (laughs) (laughs) We we didn't hit a single squirrel. Um, Oh man. That was kind of funny. Yeah. That's tough. That's tough. If you ever want a bunch of squirrels, just go to Champagne. We have yeah. a bunch on campus. Um, and, and I guess that's a pretty embarrassing moment. I was going to ask you if you had any embarrassing moments. I was really hoping you could just say, yeah, I fell out of my tree stand once, but I don't think, <laughs> I don't think you would do that. I know you're, you're meticulous and detailed. Uh, but if you had any friends fall out, that would be, that would be funny. Um, yeah, I've never, um, maybe an embarrassing moment was, so once you, once you actually shoot a, a deer, um, you have to, it's called like field dress it, which is like a fancy word to say, you have to basically take all of the insides of the deer out. So like deer meat or venison is all of the muscles of the deer, but you got to take all of like the actual intestines and stomach and heart, like all that stuff's got to come out of the deer. Yeah. Um, because that stuff, like if you let it sit in there, that'll rot in there and it'll make like spoil all the meat. So you got to take all that out. And you do that right after you kill it. You yeah, actually like, like slit right up. You slit, yeah, you slit right up the stomach and you pull all that stuff out. And one of the first deer, the actually it's the second deer I got. So the first deer I got, Jeremy's dad came over and like helped me field dress it. And the second one I got, I like I radioed to him and was like, hey, like I'm a, I'm gonna need your help again. I just got another deer. And he was like, yeah, no, I'm I'm all good. I taught you that lesson last time. So oh, why don't you go ahead and figure that out? Um, and so that was kind of kind of embarrassing, I guess, for me. Yeah. But just gotta learn learn I've gotten better go. sense i promise i've gotten better sense so good good to hear good to hear it, it's just like you know doing finance in our jobs you, you just learn you get thrown in there cold yeah turkey. that's right um last but not least what's the coldest ever you've been out um there was there was one hunt like three or four years ago now uh for deer hunting and it was open an opening morning on saturday and i think the thermometer was like like the thermometer temperature was minus four and it was, it was windy. I'm sure the real field temperature or whatever was like minus 10 plus. Um, it was, yeah, it was crazy cold. I think I, I think I made it like two and a half, three hours out there before I came, like I came in and just hung out in the cabin for like four hours and then went back out for like the afternoon hunt. Um, yeah, it was, that, that was pretty rough. That's tough. That yeah, you try, you, you try to dress as like as warm as you possibly can. Um, but well, I mean, when it's that cold and you're just sitting there not moving, there's there's not a lot you can do. That's pretty bad. Yeah, it's just not, it's just not possible. Um, well, this has been a great, great first yeah. half. Uh, this has been kind of fun hearing kind of day in the life and, you know, how you go about this. Uh, when we come back, let's talk a little bit about big game and big game hunting and, you know, what that's about. Because um, I think that's everyone's curious that probably gets a little bit more publicity and probably more controversy and then maybe we spend a little bit of time too just on uh societal views and takes on uh, on hunting and then uh then cool. we can wrap, wrap it up with any advice or uh, you have for anyone as well cool that sounds good
and we're back with Brad McKegg. Figured out how to pronounce his name, last name finally. Um, to talk about hunting, we spent the first half, you know, really digging in deep on what's the day in the life of hunting if you're hunting deer, depending on the season, and eating turkey, and really just Brad's introduction to hunting and how he got into it, and you know, from when he was a little kid. So the second half, um, Brad, I thought we'd start talking a little bit about big game hunting. Um, I feel like, you know, when I think big game, I think of elephant trunks. Um, but there's obviously a little bit more to it, and, and I obviously don't know much about it, but maybe we start there and just what exactly is big game hunting when, when you, you read about it on the news, you see it in headlines. I'm sure mainstream media, you know, puts it in whatever light they want to put it into. Um, but curious, you know, what big game hunting is. Yeah, I think there's probably a couple of different, you know, definitions or, or what it means to different people. I, so when I think of big game hunting, um, I think of like big game in the, in the U.S., um, so we, like you said, we talked a little bit about deer and turkey hunting. So like big game in the U.S. would be, um, and most of this you would do kind of out West, um, would be like moose, elk, uh, bear, things like that. Um, and, and I can get to, maybe I'll talk about that first and then I can get to kind of like what, you know, really big game hunting, like lions and elephants and, and like going to Africa on safari and that type of thing. I, I've, I've never done that, like, but I, I know a, a, a small amount, a little bit about it, but so yeah. for big game, big game in the U.S., um, like one of the the misconceptions probably is that you could just wake up and say like, hey, I want to go hunt moose or elk or whatever, and just go and actually do it. Um, there are so opposed to like a deer or a turkey license, where pretty much if you apply for one, you, you just get one. It's like you can actually go to you know Walmart or um, Bass Pro Shops or whatever and get a license. Like to hunt bear and moose and elk, you actually, it's like a lottery system. Um, there, there are only like a, 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 you know, finite number of licenses given out every year. So there are people that wait five, six, seven years to actually get the chance to actually do that type of hunting. Um, and it's, a, it's, it's somewhat expensive. So like a deer license in Wisconsin is something like 50 bucks, I think, each year. Uh, to get like a bear or a moose license, you can be talking hundreds of dollars, even up to like a thousand bucks, I think. Not to mention like all the costs involved of, of actually traveling out there. And then the hunt itself is actually a bit different. So we talked a lot about kind of sitting stationary, whether it was in like a tree stand for deer hunting, or we talked about blinds for turkey hunting. When you're hunting like a, like a moose, for example, usually you're doing what they call uh, stock and post hunting. And so you actually, a lot of times people will do this with guides that know where to kind of go but you'll be like out across, think of like mountain ranges in like Wyoming, Colorado, that type of thing. And like, you'll be sort of tracking a few of them, like, um, you know, usually it can be like a few females and a male or whatever the case might be. And you track them for like, it can be a day, it can be up to a week. And you're, you're a, like a, a large distance away, like across like a canyon or something from them. And you so, slowly over time get closer and closer to them until you're like a couple hundred yards away or wherever you feel you actually have a shot where you can be somewhat accurate because you're never going to be able to get like that close to an animal like that unless it's just kind of dumb luck. So the hunt itself is a bit different. You're still using usually uh, like some of that more high powered rifles that we talked about um, in the first part of the, in the first part of the podcast. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it like in the, the last part that would be different is those animals are massive. So when you actually kill one, you're not like dragging a moose out of the, out of the right. woods and like throwing that in the back of your truck. You do, they call it like quartering the animal. You essentially are like 
you skin the animal and you actually cut the meat into different pieces, like right out there where it dropped, like wherever the, the animal died. And a lot of times you need like four wheelers, ATVs, whatever you want to call it, like out there to help you take that stuff back to your camp or whatever in sort of segments. Um, because there's, I mean, you're, the animals are so huge. There's just no way you could actually like drag that or take it all back at once. Yeah. That, no, that makes a lot of sense. That's, that's nuts. Like tracking these animals for a week. I mean, one, how does someone have patience? Two, yeah, yeah. You said, when you said that, I went straight to World War One. We're like, <laughs> yeah. both sides are just, you know, you're just kind of in the, just waiting in no man, and there's no man's land in between. And like, yeah. that's what, you're just tracking this big moose and just planes that you can't, you can't cross. And yeah. And usually, up. and usually like weather's pretty unforgiving when you're doing it. And yeah, I mean, you got to be really, really into it. I've never, so I've never personally done that, um, that type of right. hunting. I would love to, I would be super interested to do it. It's just, it's a time commitment, um, you know, and, and it's an expense commitment for sure, but I'm, I'm sure that it's a lot of fun. I'd love to try it at some point. Yeah. I was just about to ask, I mean, obviously it's a huge expense commitment and, you know, that aside feels like a, it's a little bit more, um, maybe I'm just a scared person, but maybe it's, it's a little, it feels a little riskier, like scary, kind of like bigger animals, you know, simple things you make, you make an error in judgment. Um, that could come back to, to bite you literally. Yeah. The, um, bear is probably the, the biggest one from that standpoint, like the moose and elk are probably just like running away from you. Um, but bear can climb trees and stuff. Like there's plenty of stories of, um, you know, uh, bears coming up trees at, at hunters and stuff like that. So certainly you can get in some dangerous situations with that. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have to, have you ever watched the revenant? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what I thought about when you just said that. If you decide, hey, I'm ready to put the money up, I'm ready to, you know, take a few weeks. Like, do you know you personally like what your next steps are and to like go and achieve that? If it were me, I would probably look into like a guided, um, a guided hunt for sure. Just because I, it would be my first time doing it. I wouldn't really know the areas well enough where you would actually find the animals and that type of thing. So I would probably spend the money to do a guided hunt. Um, and then, like I said, I think the, the hard part is it's most of the, the, uh, tags or licenses is it's all done on a lottery system. Yeah. And so you might wait a few years for your turn to actually get to do it, but that's probably where I'd start. Got it. No, that sounds good. Would you have a preference of like elk or moose or, or would you go like say fucking and go to bear? I think, um, I'd probably go to like moose because I think I would enjoy the meat maybe the most, um, bear. So bear meat is real. Um, it's real greasy. Um, whereas like moose or elk or something like that, um, you can find like, if you've ever, uh, this is one for you, Abby, you've probably been to like the Illinois state fair. Um, you can get, you can get like moose and elk jerky. Yeah. Yeah. Probably, man. I went to the Illinois state fair. Um, I went to, when you go to college usually at 16, no, you go to college at 18. 18, So I probably went to the Illinois state fair maybe 13 or 14 years. Um, and then a couple of times when I was in college, um, and post-college, maybe once, I don't re- recollect, probably once, but I'm trying to take Pooja there. Uh, I wanted to take her this year, but I got canceled. Um, it, it's, and Wisconsin State Fair is probably similar. State fairs in general, I think, represent America, and you get to yeah. learn about America, our culture, our food, our traditions. Um, but anyway, yeah, the, the, I, I, I used to eat chicken when I was a kid, so I like chicken on a stick and stuff like that. Yeah. So none of this beef or elk uh, that you're talking about. 
I'm sure you can find it there. Yeah, I've been to the Wisconsin State Fair, I think, every year since I was probably five years old, except for last year, because like you said, it got canceled. So we'll have to we'll have to do a State Fair exchange at some point. I'll bring you up there and you can you can take yeah. me to that noise. No, I love that. I love that. Um, when you when you said the, you know, uh, bear meat, I was like, yeah, they haven't come out with plant based uh, bear meat yet. So <laughs> <Yeah>. no, <laughs> when that when that happens um the impossible bear burger i'm sure is on the horizon somewhere yeah yeah have you uh i assume you you've had like elk and uh moose and all that too right yeah yeah it's it's good um i mean i've used like so when i've had it i i don't know that i've ever had like an elk steak or something like that i've usually had it in the form of like jerky or like a like a stick or something like that um but it's i mean it's very good yeah that, that makes sense. And is big game hunting um, more so associated with trophy hunting or you can still do that with deer, I guess. Yeah, I, I think that, no, yeah, I, I think that's right. I think that if you get a moose, you're more likely to uh, go like the taxidermy route um, right. with the, you know, with the head of the moose or something like that. Um, yeah. I, I think that it probably is more associated with trophy hunting for sure. And I think just because when you do it, if you get one, it's like if you go deer hunting enough like getting a deer you're usually getting one every year type of thing right like getting a moose is like it's not like you're probably getting a moose every year I think that sort of is like a very special event as a hunter so even if it's not about like sport or trophy necessarily I think it's like a, a pride factor for sure in that. Did you want to say anything about uh, other parts of the world obviously you haven't you haven't done any of that but um, yeah, the I mean the one that probably gets the most press coverage, right, is the like people shooting like elephants and rhinos and uh, and lions and stuff in Africa, and so it certainly exists. Um, I going back to the first misconception I talked about with big game hunting. So that stuff is like wildly expensive to go and hunt a lion in Africa. I mean, so forget about travel costs and everything else. I think you almost exclusively have to do it guided. Um, and I like I remember I actually looked up to prepare for this. The average cost, so again, forget about travel, forget about gear and everything, just the hunt itself, getting like the actual ability, like the license to hunt the lion and the guided tour for a week or whatever the safari is, is like between fifty and $70,000. So you start adding in travel costs and the gear and everything else that you need. I mean, you're probably, you're easily into like eighty dollars to $100,000 to try and go on a hunt like that. So like one misconception probably is I, like, it's actually, the people doing that actually are like very, very wealthy, wealthy yeah. people doing it. and with that stuff, I would say to the comment you made a couple minutes ago, like, so that in my mind is all about trophy hunting. I don't know a lot of people that are like, man, I'm just dying to try zebra meat or like right. what, you know, like, I, I think that is all about like uh, the taxidermy aspect. Like you want to have the lion in your, in your big study or whatever the, whatever the case might be. But yeah, it's super expensive. Obviously tons of like mixed feelings from a lot of people on whether we should be killing those animals or not. But um, yeah, I, I think that's one where it's pretty much all about trophy hunting. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that's a great, that's a great segue. Um, you know, I feel like I wouldn't say in recent years, I feel like it's especially the age of internet, maybe last 10, 15 plus years, um, number of discussions, you know, concerning, you know, hunting of animals uh, for sport um, have taken place, pros, cons, um, everyone has stances. You know, we joked in the first half about PETA and the NRA. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, philosophers have stances obviously this was a um you know a big part of human life many many centuries ago um and it has continued on and so i am curious from your standpoint uh, and i personally don't really have a stance on this and 
and I like to have stances on things, but I just not am not as knowledgeable. Um, but maybe we start with, you know, what are some of the biggest misconceptions in your mind of, of hunting? Because you do hear, you know, you know, there's obviously the moral ethical debate. Um, that's a big debate. There's the abusive practices debate. That's probably PETA is, you know, financing it and running. Um, there's an, you know, animal population reduction debate, which there's both, there's a pro and a con to that actually, animal yeah. reduction in general. Um, and so I was just curious, the misconceptions. Uh, I think one, before you go, one misconception I had, I didn't realize how expensive um, some of this hunting is. Um, deer and turkey, I mean, this is so expensive. You should still pay money to get tags and all that. Um, a bigger, bigger game. These are, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. I mean, I can, I can marry like two people off uh, with, with 80K. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but curious, uh, my long-winded uh, question here, curious to start with what's your misconceptions um, that you see out there? Yeah, probably a bunch of different places we could take this, I guess. I, yeah, so uh, maybe your first point, I think we're, we're obviously in a day and an age where nobody needs to hunt, um, anymore to, you know, to, um, to eat their food. I, the exception actually would be, um, it's always top of mind because it's where I go. Deer hunting is actually somewhat near an Amish community. Okay. And so one of the interesting things we see every year is actually a group of people who very, like truly they're actually, they're, they're hunting because they actually need that to eat. But outside of that, right. I, I don't think you actually need to hunt to eat anymore. And so I think that because of that, then a lot of people like immediately assume that it's all about trophy and sport and it's just sort of like an animal cruelty thing to which I, you know, in my mind, um, I, I think if you've ever, if you've ever been to like a, uh, like a Tyson chicken plant or watched any of sort of the, uh, any type of any of the documentaries or whatever on Netflix or, or any of the other streaming services on, on, you know, how meat is mass produced hunting is probably quite a bit more uh, humane than, than what's going on in, in situations like that, right? I, I, that, that's something that has always stuck out in my mind when, when it comes to the animal cruelty argument. The, the other part that um, is somewhat prevalent, like where I'm from in Wisconsin, is if not enough people are hunting for whatever reason in a given year, the Department of Natural Resources actually send snipers out um, to cover different areas and kill the deer. Because like as people have like inhabited areas where there's a lot of animals like this, you you run into issues where like you start having a ton of people hitting deer on highways, which gets super dangerous for for humans, obviously. Right. And so I think a lot of it varies animal by animal. But like, for example, deer in places like Illinois and Wisconsin, if we just stopped hunting tomorrow, like what you would actually see is is an enormous spike in car accidents, which wouldn't right. be good either. Like you'd have to do something to control the population of these animals if it wasn't hunting. So, um, you know, I, I do think that that's kind of a, a, a benefit of hunting. Um, I have always been on, we talked about earlier in the podcast, I've always been on the side of you should eat what you kill. Like I'm not a like kill something and then just, you know, put it up on your mantle type of thing that it's kind of like a personal decision, but I've always been on the side of like, you should eat what you kill. Um, you know, there, and then there's a whole sort of like gun control debate that you probably could get into on a, on an entirely separate podcast around it. Um, but I, one of the interesting parts about hunting that I think people bring up oftentimes it, it, when it relates to the gun control debate is, um, so like if you take the state of Wisconsin, for example, so this last year we had, it was somewhere between like 350 or 400,000 people going to the woods for a week with guns and not one murder happens. Right. So when you get into like the logical sort of progression of 
like is gun control really the answer, right? You get into some interesting sort of like data points when it comes to hunting, I think. Um, so I, I don't know, how, how much have I persuaded you, Abby? Am I taking you hunting next year or what? Uh, well, I wanna go to a, uh, well, I wanna go to a shooting range first to learn how to, how to fire a, fire a yeah. weapon before, uh, before I go hunting. But bow and arrow, totally down. To give me a little practice rounds and then, sure. then I'll go to the range, I'll fire some guns and I'm, I'm ready to rumble. Um, I, I like, I like uh, throwing myself out there and experimenting and learning different stuff and pushing the needle and what out of my comfort zone. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess, uh, I guess maybe the, the, the last thing that I would add to it too, when we were talking about like misconceptions, right. Um, I, I think the vast majority of people that hunt, especially when it comes to like the big event of deer hunting in the Midwest, for example, like it's more about sort of the camaraderie of like opening weekend and being with your buddies and like going out in the woods than it is about like celebrating killing an animal. And so that, that when, you know, I just thought of when you're talking about misconceptions, like I think for the vast majority of people, that's actually more what hunting is about, to be totally honest. Yeah. It's not, it's not a cheap thrill. It's not like yeah, right. an adrenaline rush. Um, Cause that's like vandalism really. Um, yeah. And, and you don't see that often too. And I think that's like one thing, um, there's just more organization or structure than people realize. I, I do, I do think that um, deer hunting or kind of what we talked about, um, especially in America, it's different than other parts of the world. Um, I think people, if people have like anything, people have a hard time separating stuff. And there's like blanket thoughts and blanket statements. You know, when you're in the middle of you know X Y Z continent or country, and you know shooting elephants or shooting you know lions and stuff like that. Um, you know, there's a little bit of a different stance versus deer. And, and obviously some of those countries too, like you, you're allocated to shoot X amount of lions and brings in revenue, um, employment, um, yep. you know, for everyone, like everyone there. Uh, but obviously there's, you know, an ethical reason. Sometimes there's overkillings, um, stuff like that in terms of governance. But I think people take those, see that. And when that goes wrong, um, and take it and say like, Hey, you, you're going hunting in Wisconsin. Like they might view that view you in negative sense. Um, but I think that's yeah. more of like humans and, and, and this world we live in right now. Yeah. Yep. Totally agree. I, you know, I don't really have a stance and maybe I should. Um, but like, sometimes you don't need, like, this seems like something where you don't need to have like a really, like you need a stance. Like we're not here talking about social security benefits. Or like, <laughs> um, like I, I guess if I can, if I can turn a vegetarian into a hunter, I, I guess that's, that'll speak volumes about hunting probably. Maybe I'll, I'll make that my goal. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. But, but my, my vegetarianism is more religious than, than sure. I want to, a, I've been to meat, meat plants um, and, you know, chicken facilities and it is, it is quite a scene <laughs> yeah. uh, in, yeah. in an unfortunate way um and like i could totally see how like you see those documentaries or you go and you're like i don't want to eat meat and like what they do and 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 some people i mean PETA is really active like hey, that's animal cruelty too um but unfortunately that's you know people need to eat food um and so there's a little bit of a, a pros cons now i wanted to just ask you like when you talk about taking me hunting, so anyone that's like listening or or to myself they're trying to you know what's your advice um how to start you know or do you do you read stuff or you know talk to people that have done it curious kind of what your um advice and steps you would take to to a novice hunter 
Yeah, I, I think you start with some research on it probably. And then I, I think the best way to start out, like you mentioned, is like go to a range, whether you're going to do archery or whether you're going to um, do gun hunting. I think you go to a range because the first thing that you see with people that are like brand new to hunting is when you pick up a bow and arrow or like when you pick up a handgun or a rifle, shotgun, whatever, people are like very nervous to handle that stuff, right? Like if you're not used to it, it feels like, holy smokes, I'm about to kill somebody. And like, if you don't know what you're doing, that certainly could be the case. But like, I think you got to get to a range and, and sort of like get your feet wet a little bit, right? Like I, I think you want to um, go to a place that's a bit like safer space and just um, go with people that have done it a lot, people that are experienced and can kind of show you the ropes a little bit. Um, and I think you start in the range, start at a range and then um, work your way up to going hunting. Um, and, you know, once you start feeling comfortable with the actual weapons themselves. And I would start with like smaller stuff. Like I, I think turkey and deer hunting is a great way to start hunting. It's, um, you know, as far as cost, it's, it's fairly minimal as far as hunting goes. And it, you know, is something that a lot of people do. It's easy to research. It's easy to figure out where good spots to go are, all that type of stuff. Cool. No, that, that makes perfect sense. Um, off, off outline here, you know, you're going hunting tomorrow. Say, you know, what are like the three things you really need? Like, what are your go-to three things? Um, so you need, you need your weapon. Um, and you're going to need, I would say you're going to need a knife because if you're successful, whatever you kill, you're going to have to do something with it. So you need a knife and you need a really good hunting knife. Um, and so, you know, that's another thing, I guess, when you get into the research, if you're starting out new, you should research like what good gear versus just okay gear is. Can't, that can't, use the, uh, can't use the OXO knife. That they yeah, right, 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 right. So I think you need a weapon, a knife, and then um, I, I think you probably, you know, most of the times when you go hunting, the weather's not great. So then you're going to need, you know, whatever it is to, to deal with the weather that you got um, going on, because it just gets miserable if you're not prepared for, for whatever the conditions are. That's awesome. Uh, well, this has been great. Anything, anything we've missed or I've missed in asking, or you want to, you want to wrap up with hunting before we get to our final couple of questions? No, I don't think so. This has been awesome, man. Like I said, maybe this will be a, this will be a new life goal for me. If I can get a vegetarian to go hunting, I feel like that's uh, that, that's about as good of a persuasive piece as you can have on, on behalf of hunting. Yeah, I agree. We should, we should send that out to the NRA. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, no, man, I appreciate you taking time. No, uh, we're, we had to record this in the middle of, of your move from Chicago to Nashville. So I'm sure it's been kind of a stressful, stressful time. So I appreciate you, uh, taking it wish we could have done it in person but it's kind of fun doing these zoom uh catch yeah. folks uh now that you're far away um down yonder down under in uh <laughs> in Tennessee but as we wrap up I like to ask a couple of quick you know fun questions sure uh, all, all my guests um and before we get to the bold predictions um for both of us since you're a Wisconsin native and Wisconsin has a lot of stereotypes um of you know wisconsinites and folks that grew up there and, and you know us being from illinois maybe it's the elitist in us we like to make fun of wisconsin people uh and i think across the big 10 people do as well yeah um, what what's the one stereotype you're most proud of um man maybe can, can i go to can i give yeah. two yeah yeah um so one would be just like that Packer fans and Badger fans that like, all we care about is Wisconsin sports. Like that's a hundred percent true. Like yeah. I, like we, we don't, I, yeah, we don't give a shit about any, any other sports team. Right. Like I don't, I'm like barely interested in watching stuff like the Super Bowl when the Packers aren't in it. So I, I think that's one that I'm super proud of. 
Yeah. Um, and the second one would be just the whole like beer drinking, cheese curd, bratwurst eating. Like I, I love all that stuff, man. I'm I'm into it. I, I I don't hate that stereotype at all. Yeah, I love that. I mean, when we when you took us to us, uh, what was it, Sobelman's? Sobelman's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, everyone listening, go to that uh, next time you're in Milwaukee. I cheese mean, when curd, you when you when you get when you get cheese curds and a burger on your Bloody Mary, like you that's that's when you know you've hit heaven right there. That, that honestly is, is like my favorite, like I me, mean, cheese curds is great. Uh, and to your first point on sports, completely accurate, true. That's why we, we have you in our group text with Nick and Connor, where we talk all about Chicago sports. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just in the loop on what's going on with non yeah. yeah, it's good for my awareness. I appreciate it. Yeah. 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 It's probably like for every hundred messages, you'll probably throw in a message here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, what I didn't ask, I didn't want, I didn't put this in the outline, but curious if there's one stereotype that's just not true or like, it doesn't really make that sense. It's hard to think of probably on the spot. Um, yeah, I, I guess maybe one, one that feels to me like is not true is I think a lot of people assume that, um, if you're from Wisconsin, that you just like, like you love the winter and like you're you're all about right like the the fact that the weather's terrible seven months out of the year and you love being outdoors and ice fishing and like all that type of stuff and I I think in my experience (laughs) that's not really true right I think Wisconsin people love getting down to Florida for the winter just as much as anybody else so yeah exactly yeah exactly um that is true there's a lot of Wisconsin folks um Midwest folks down in Florida um, I, I personally like Wisconsin outside of the cheese curds, beers, um, love all that. I actually love going to, um, you know, Milwaukee. We have our annual trip every year now. Um, yep. that's really fun to summer fest and brewers game and, and the tailgate. Uh, but Wisconsin is, is a swing state and I love swing states and I'm trying <laughs> to figure out those counties. I mean, wow. I, there was, there was like five or six counties I was watching heavily um this this election and so um, i saw uh so timely piece of news i saw alex lazary uh vice president with the milwaukee bucks son of owner of the milwaukee bucks mark lazary decided to run for u.s senate so you have have to keep your eyes on that one i i will because rumor has it ron johnson's not going to run again um and so so we'll see yeah i don't know i mean in like sauk county uh, Waukesha County, like all, I mean, Winnebago County, like I, there's, those are the key, key areas that decide elections, especially the last two cycles. So you gotta, yeah, you, gotta I, you gotta be in tune. That's why I talk to you not, all the time. Not, not to take a total turn towards politics, but I, I think Alex Lazary is pretty well liked the, uh, the whole Milwaukee Bucks sort of reinvention and everything they've done in downtown Milwaukee. It seems like has been a, has been a big deal. Um, feels a little bit weird. I, you know, it'll be interesting to see his messaging. I'm not sure how he's going to get around the, like, you know, nobody, nobody knows more <laughs> about what's best for Wisconsinites than the son of a hedge fund guy from Manhattan feels like a weird, a weird pitch to me, but we'll see how he does. I agree. I agree. He needs to ensure that they get to the finals this year and we'll see. Well, he's got, yeah, he's got yeah that'll go a long way. You're right. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree. Um, Moving on to, um, and I could talk Wisconsin politics, national Wisconsin politics, <laughs> uh, which is kind of great. Because I will say, last on this, when, when the Milwaukee suburbs vote came in at like 4 or 5 a.m. Uh, and the national, I was still awake. That's when I called the race. Because then you knew those burbs, Wayne County, Detroit, Philly, what all, they're all you, the same people. 
You had it. You were all over it. You should have been the guy up on the board on CNN for sure. You, you, you had it. Yeah, sure. You were in the group text. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, no, I made, I made some money on off of gambling. So <laughs> I'll take that. Um, I'll stick to my super in fact, impactful societal changing job in, in banking. <laughs> yeah. Right. There you go. Um, all right. Bold prediction time. Um, I've asked every single person, so it's cur- It's nice to see what people people say, and you can go in any direction at all. Obviously, non hunting related. Not that you would have a hunting bold prediction, but the next twelve to eighteen months, or if you want to do um, the next six months, um, happy to do so because it feels like there's a lot of change happening. Um. Yeah. I, okay. So I was going to, I've got a couple, I was going to go a little bit further out maybe. Um, so, so one of my, so one of my big ones is, so let's go wait, we'll start way further out. One of my big ones is are your kids and my kids won't ever have a driver's license. We, we will, we will be, we will be at autonomous vehicles by that point. Okay. All right. I don't even have, I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm a little taken aback. That's a, that's a bold prediction. I like that's it. What, that's way out there. So that's like, right, like, so, you know, not to get into when you and I plan to have kids or whatever, but um, like, tw- yeah. you know, call it, call it 20 years from now. Um, I, I think we're fully autonomous at that point. I'm, I'm big on the autonomous vehicles train. So, society then is autonomous. Like me and you won't be driving a car either. Correct. Okay. Correct. Could, and Okay. I'm trying to think like if I'm a kid, so like there's going to be a transitionary period for kids. Um, And like when they're like our kids are kindergarten or middle school, like we'll probably still be driving them or they'll just be shifting. Um, 20 years feels too soon, like 40, I would have been comfortable with, but 20, I guess technology has been changing so quickly. That, that's the thing, man. So go back to the year 2000, right? And then figure out where we are now. Like, would you, like all the stuff you're doing on your phone, you would have never thought either, right? Like there's a lot more sort of infrastructure involved, obviously in autonomous vehicles, but in some ways, not necessarily. So uh, yeah, that's a big one that, that I'm all over. So I guess, so coming back to your question, 12 to 18 months from now, a bold prediction. Um, I will go the reverse of something that I heard on one of your earlier podcasts, I actually, I actually think how and where we work will change forever. I, I think you guys had someone on a previous podcast had predicted we're going straight back to what it used to be. I, I don't think that's true. It was probably me. It was probably be me. Yeah, uh, it was I you, Biggie. It was you, Biggie or Murr for Kel, or I can't remember who was which one. Oh, of them. yeah, yeah, it was me and Kel when we were talking about consumer behavior, um, and maybe it's it, it'll depend on industry because maybe it's because we work in and I'm putting this in air quotes for the listeners, corporate finance, as they say, not finance. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe that's yeah, Kelly. I, Kelly's never going to forgive you for putting yourself in the same bucket as, as her right there. No, none of us are private equity like Kel's private equity. So. No, no, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a low level. Uh, <laughs> you're, um, you're the banker. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I feel like I, I, I have shifted my opinion a little bit. I was, if you remember when we were in Shelbyville, I was, one, I was wasted on whiskey, but two, very adamant, <laughs> very adamant that we were going back to normal. Now I would say in roles like I'm in or, or Kelly, it's probably like one to two days a week max. You're yeah. more outside of the office. So three to five in or four to 
three three to three to four in in the office. Three to four in, yeah, yeah. It depends. Um, yeah, I don't think we'll go straight back. I think you're right. Um, I think it's yeah. I think it does depend on on industry. I could see that. I I just think that. The, like you're going to get market forces going here, right? So like once once several big companies start doing this, if everybody else is is not allowing kind of flexible work arrangements, people will just gravitate towards the places that do. I, I think it is something that people, particularly in our generation, want. And so I, I think you're just market forces will take over eventually. Yeah, I think to an extent, I agree. I think I have a little bit less faith in in the baby boomers or whatever generation of people are, are kind of running some of these more old fashioned long yeah. corporate companies to, to enact some of this change and what their expectations are. Yeah. Um, one, two kind of related. And I was going to say, this is my bold prediction. And, and I haven't talked about this in, in, in a pod. I don't think is I'm still, maybe the optimist in me, um, but I'm still a believer that urban cities will still be very popular and people that are young 22 when you graduate you still want you 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 gravitate towards the big city that's in your area and you still do yep. that um there could be newer big cities like historically it's been you know probably new york chicago san francisco dallas but now like you have to add austin to the mix you have to add nashville to the mix denver, Miami, Miami, yep. denver. um but but i don't think that that is taking away from other cities like value i, yeah. I think urbanization is still there like you're not going to move to People are moving to like Lake Tahoe, for example, and working from there or, you know, Springfield, Illinois and working remote. Not that you would move there, but you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that one. I, I actually think there's probably um, really good investment opportunity in real estate in big cities right now um, where, where it's near a bottom. Um, yeah. and, and I do agree. I, I think it, at some point that all comes back and people people like living in cities again. Yeah, I, I think so. I'm not, and I'm not smart enough to understand commercial real estate, um, but I feel like there's a bottoming out that's occurring there, and I would put some money in in that, and you know, especially in a larger city that's been established for a long time. Yeah, um, I'm I'm but, not smart enough either. We we could ask our private equity friend though, Nantucket Kell, uh, yeah. for for her perspective. We'll have to do that on another podcast. I agree. I mean, we should. We should. That's pretty funny. I hope she I hope she listens to this like within 24 hours and sends us a message. I, I'll be disappointed if we don't at least get seven listeners for this for sure. Oh, we'll, we'll get we'll get it. We'll get some. Who know, who knows? They could be they could be Russian bots or they could be humans. <laughs> I don't understand all these countries that listen to this. There's like 24 <laughs> countries. Really? Yeah, according to the data. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. So. Who knows? Well, so wait, so wait, what's your bold prediction? Did, did, did we get one in there? My bold prediction, I guess it's kind of a cop-out. My bold prediction was that cities aren't going anywhere. And okay. There's going to be right. re revitalization of, of cities this summer versus last summer. Um, but I don't have a better bold prediction. I mean, I could say Illinois is going to win the championship game uh, or the, the NCAA tournament. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I haven't... I guess I didn't do some th more thought on my bold prediction. Um, you know, I Bitcoin to a hundred thousand. I'm an, I'm an investor. So I don't know if I, let me disclose that, but yeah, probably um, it's a digital, digital asset. There's more, there's more use cases versus it's digital asset versus like it'd be an actual currency. And like you're seeing companies, um, you know, apply it and, and utilize it. And you're seeing a lot of investment into it. Um, 
but yeah, I've, I, I've tried really hard. I listened to your podcast on with you and Biggie and Connor on, uh, on crypto. Yeah. I've watched a lot of YouTube stuff that that one's in the too hard pile for me. I'm, I am certainly not smart enough to understand where, where that thing is going. So. Yeah. Yeah. That makes two of us. I just have smart friends. So yeah. you surround yourself. This is why I did this actually. So I can just like surround myself week in and week out with smart people. And then uh, I just get better incrementally get better. Yeah. There you um, go. I like that. I, uh, I appreciate you taking time on a Friday afternoon. It's fun to, fun to booze up a little bit before the, uh, the work hour ends um, on a Friday. So thanks for coming in. This has been fun. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to, um, you know, love listening to hunting and just expand their minds a little bit. And a lot of people who actually partake in hunting will, will enjoy this even more. And, and maybe they'll reach out to me to get connected to you and you can have more, more friends groups for, uh, for hunting. Yeah, I, I would love it, man. So, hey, here's the last thing we got to do. So what's the over-under on listeners for, for a beer chug bet? What's the over-under here? Beer chug bet. Um, you want me to set it or do you want to set it? You, you can set it, and then we'll talk about who gets the over and who gets the under. We should set it at like 60. 60? 60? 60 to yeah. 70, What any of those. Got it. I think that was a ricochet shot against hunting, but – um okay we'll we'll, we'll, set, we'll set we'll set it at 60 <laughs> let's we'll do set it at 70 at, 75 let's do 75 no no i think you're right we set it at 60 so I, i'm gonna take the over because i'm for hunting i'm gonna take the over okay i'll take i'll take oh i have to take the under i guess um and i'll, I'll promote for, I'll, for, i'm gonna promote this so yeah for for a beer chug for a beer chug i'm i'm in Okay. All right. I'm in. Is it one beer per person or are you doing two and I'm doing one? How does that work? Just, uh, no, one, one beer, one beer per guy. Yeah. I don't know if I get a handicap or not. No, 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 no. Set, set the over under at 60. I'm in. I'll take the over. Okay. What's the, what's the time frame too? Hold on. What like 60 by, so the listeners like within a week or, uh, so there's two weeks between episodes. So maybe we do two maybe do three weeks because i usually market it two times after the initial marketing okay all right so got two it. three weeks you can decide got it but this has been a pleasure i like the over under beer chug let's get it done hopefully it's the over so hopefully i have a beer chug that i owe you <laughs> sure i'm sure it will be um and this has been fun man i really appreciate you taking time kind of to teach me a little bit about hunting and we can live in your life for a little bit as a as you're going out there and, and getting some deer and turkey. Yeah, you bet, man. I, uh, I, I can't wait for, uh, for whatever the next topic is. This was fun. I'll, I, I would be on again in, in a heartbeat. Yeah, no, I'm excited uh, for it. Yeah. I've, uh, I'll have to let you know. We got to do, we, we should do like a boots on the ground, Wisconsin, uh, like in, <laughs> in Wisconsin, like we're at Sullivan's like at, at a vlog. Yeah. We got to add a vlog to this for sure. Yeah. just like, while we're at Summerfest, um, that would be kind of fun. Or we're yeah. not at the state fair, you know, we'll do a little state fair pod. State fair exchange. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks everyone for tuning in and until next week, meet you at the bottom.